Now, we've been looking at the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives from various angles. We've talked about the new birth. We've talked about the fruit of the Spirit, talked about the gifts of the Spirit. Each one of those topics could be expanded out into a series of their own. But we're moving on this morning to talk about how the Spirit enables us to be witnesses for Christ. And all of us who know Christ want to be witnesses. And that's because we have family, we have friends, we have co-workers, we have neighbors who don't know Christ and we want them to know. We want them to, to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ and to find what we have found. And so we have a role to play. We're called to be witnesses to them. So let's turn to just a classic passage that speaks to this. This is where we'll begin. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus has been raised from the dead. He's appearing over many days to his disciples and teaching them about the kingdom of God. And it says in verse 4, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus begins by talking about this baptism with the Holy Spirit. He's talking about what is going to happen on the day of Pentecost. He says, you'll, you'll experience this not many days hence. Remember, the Spirit had not yet been poured out because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Well, now, now Jesus has been raised from the dead, and he will soon ascend into heaven. Luke gives an account in Acts chapter 1. So the Spirit will be poured out on the church, and the image here goes back to John when he baptized people in water. He would immerse them in the water and they would come out having been inundated. And in the same way, the Spirit comes on us. We're inundated with the Spirit. We are drenched with the Spirit. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. Now, some people get a little confused about this, and they say, well, you know, we need our own personal Pentecost, but that's not true. That's like saying you need your own personal Calvary. Calvary happened once for all. Jesus died for our sins. Pentecost was when God poured out his spirit upon the church. Subsequent to Pentecost, every single person who puts their faith in Christ receives the Holy Spirit. So we're not waiting for Pentecost. Now, people get confused about this because sometimes they do have a profound experience with God. They seek God with all their hearts, and the Spirit comes upon them, and it is life-changing, so life-changing that they start looking for biblical language to attach to it, and they say, well, that must be the baptism with the Holy Spirit. I didn't get that when I was saved. I got it subsequently. So there must be two experiences you need. You need to be born again. You need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Well, 
They had an authentic experience, but they're boxing it up wrong theologically. Theologically, you receive the Spirit when you are born again. Subsequent to being born again and having received the Spirit, when you seek God, you can expect God to be at work in your life, and He may pour out His Spirit upon you afresh, not a second time or a third time or a fourth time, maybe a hundred times. Let's hope so. We could use it. But we are already spirit people. And as such, we have been called to be witnesses. You will be my witnesses. Martyr in the Greek. A martyr is one who gives first-hand accounts of things. In other words, you're not just you're not just sharing hearsay, you're saying something you know about firsthand, something you've seen, witnessed, experienced. You can speak as a kind of authority because it's not what so-and-so told so-and-so told so-and-so and finally reached you. It's something you know in your own life. Uh, this last weekend, we had the Wellspring Retreat, and oh gosh, some 250 women were here for it. It was, it was quite a retreat. How many of you were there? Quite a few. Wow. Yeah, quite a few of you. It was, it, was, it was great. The theme of it was stories. Everybody has their story. And, and we want to tell our stories to others because when we do, we can, we can talk about how God has been at work in our lives. In a way, when we're talking about being a witness, that's what we're talking about. God's gospel is basically a story of how humankind fell and how God intervened through Jesus Christ to save us all the same. It's a story. When we receive Christ, God's story takes us up into his story. In fact, the narrative of our life now is part of God's greater narrative. When I tell my story of what I've learned of Christ, what I've experienced of Christ, I may not be a theologian, but a lot of times theologians are lousy witnesses. You tell your story. That's what it means to be a witness. The Holy Spirit will come into your life, and then you open your mouth, and you tell other people about what he's done in your life. And over time, you'll learn many things, and that'll become part of your story. But the most important part is that you've experienced it, and you can share that. So you don't have to worry that, you know, I don't know everything about the Bible or I don't know everything about theology. None of, that's, none of that's necessary. What you need to do is share what you know of Christ who has touched your life and changed you forever. Now, according to Jesus, we will receive this gift of the Holy Spirit so we can be witnesses, but in order to be witnesses, we need power. And he says the Spirit will give us power doesn't mean you feel powerful. I mean, if you're like me, a lot of times you feel like anything but powerful. I don't get up here to preach Sunday by Sunday feeling powerful in the Spirit. I really wish I did, but I don't generally. It's just me, flesh and blood, getting up and bearing witness to what the Lord has done. But, but here's the thing. God's power is made perfect in weakness. That's what Jesus said to Paul when he was struggling with his thorn in the flesh. 
My power is made perfect in weakness. So Jesus, rather Paul said, when I am weak, then I'm strong. So to receive power from the Holy Spirit doesn't mean you're going to feel powerful, but I think it means two things happen. Number one, you become bold, bold. Read through the book of Acts. You'll see the Spirit would come upon the church and they would become bold in their witness. Parousia in Greek, that's the word we translate bold, but what it means, strictly speaking, is to just speak freely, openly, holding nothing back, not self-censoring. You know, sometimes you, seem, you, you see an opportunity maybe to share something about your story, to bear witness for Christ, and, and you're not quite sure if you should. You kind of hold back a little. You censor that a little. Boldness is when you don't do that. Instead, you're just, you're just opening your life. You're just opening your life. I'm convinced, I'm convinced that the great need in the church is not for us to go through extensive training of how to share the gospel. We just need to stop self-censoring. We need to let people know who we are and what we believe. We need to speak that out. And if you find that very, very difficult, then it's time to pray, Lord, you have granted me the power of your spirit, but somehow, somehow I've lost touch with you in this. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to be bold. Now, of course, you understand. <laughs> you understand. Boldness doesn't mean rashness, doesn't mean rudeness. There are social conventions you need to observe. Sometimes there are professional boundaries that you appropriately need to observe, but there are opportunities everywhere, chances everywhere to speak. And when we receive the Spirit, we receive power to speak boldly. If we've quenched the Spirit, we may lose that boldness, but we're called to be bold, to speak freely. The other thing, I think, is power comes on us so our words have have a power to touch lives and change people far out of proportion to any wisdom with which we speak. Paul talks about this. One, one great passage is in 1 Thessalonians 1.5. Listen to this. Our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and deep conviction. Now, scholars differ on exactly how to understand this passage, but I agree with F.F. Bruce, the great Scottish New Testament scholar, who says this deep conviction is not the apostle's conviction, like he's, he's preaching totally convinced that what he says is true. I'm sure he did, but that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about how when he spoke words, they weren't just words, human words, but rather the Holy Spirit took them up and applied them with power and worked in the heart of the hearer so that they came to deep conviction of their truth. Have you ever, have you ever heard a song or, or heard something, just a, a, a phrase that somebody used and it rung out to you? Maybe you're reading the Bible or some other book. Just something struck you in a way that you just can't shake. It stays on your mind. Well, in the same way, 
as we speak words, just ordinary words, just telling our story, just sharing with people, because we have received the Spirit, the Spirit takes our words and applies them and uses them in extraordinary ways. You don't have to be persuasive. It's the Holy Spirit who's persuasive. I mean, think about this. The Bible says that we're all in sin. It says that we're deceived by the powers of darkness. That's true of all of us. Well, no one's going to talk us out of our deception. It is the Holy Spirit who breaks through. So Paul says to the Corinthians, he said, I came to you in fear and trembling. In other words, I didn't come feeling really strong and powerful. I came to you in fear and trembling, but I didn't come to you with wise words and persuasive rhetoric, but I came to you with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith wouldn't rest on human words, but on the power of God. So here's the thing. This is really encouraging. You can simply share your story in just a natural way, as appropriate. Stop censoring censoring yourself. Just, Just share, and the Lord will take that up and use that in whatever way he determines. And miracles can happen when we speak like that. Extraordinary things can happen when we are available to the Lord and we speak. Now, I've been saying a lot about telling your story, but you understand it's not like you've got to start at the beginning and get to the end. I mean, everything just happens in in a natural conversation, right? You're just in a natural conversation with someone. It may may come out in very, you know, indirect ways. You're facing some problem and somebody asks you about it and you tell them how you've been praying about that. And, And really, I know this sounds... This sounds awfully religious, and I don't mean to sound that way, but I feel like God has really been helping me. Here's how. It's that kind of thing. See, it's just opening your life. And as you do that, the Lord uses your simple, weak words and makes them powerful. Now, I want to read one other passage that speaks to this ministry of the Holy Spirit. That is how the Holy Spirit uses our words to reach people. It comes from John chapter 15. In verse 26, Jesus says, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. He's using the verbal form here of martis um, in order to speak of witnessing. He says, he will testify about me. The Spirit will talk about Jesus to people. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. See, the Spirit is going to speak, but you and I, who have a history with Jesus, we too need to speak. And we need to speak because the Holy Spirit uses our words. He doesn't just speak from heaven in some loud, God-like voice. He speaks in your voice and mine. So as the Holy Spirit bears witness, we bear witness, and it's one witness. 
as the power of God goes to work. Now, look at this. He talks about how the Holy Spirit bears witness. Listen, this is a difficult passage I'm about to read. Difficult to understand. It really is. But hang with me. There's something so significant here. I don't want any of us to miss it. In verse 8, Jesus says, when he comes, talking about the Holy Spirit, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. He will prove the world wrong. It's a single word that's being paraphrased there. It means to convict, to cause people to see that they're wrong, but also to convince, to to help them to accept it, to recognize it in their heart of hearts, okay? So it's convicting and convincing. The Holy Spirit's going to work, and he's doing it in the area of sin and righteousness and judgment. That's where it gets tricky. What in the world is all that about? Well, I'm going to do my best to tell you in a couple of minutes. Look what he says. He's going to convict and convince the world. Remember, he's bearing witness as we bear witness. He's going to use your simple words, just your simple telling of what you know. He's going to use that to convict and convince about sin because people do not believe in me. See, Jesus came. You read the Gospel of John. This passage is from John. So you read the whole Gospel of John. Jesus comes. He comes bringing light. And people love darkness rather than light. They chose darkness rather than light. And that is their sin. We get hung up over all the sins that we and others commit, as if that's the issue, as if it's this thing or that thing. And sometimes we think as Christians, we need to point those out. People need to know that this is wrong. Well, Yes, yes, in a sense, but the real issue isn't a particular sin or sins. The real issue is, will you receive the Lord and Savior that God has sent? Jesus is light, and he is the one who will save us from our sins, and he is the one who we are to follow. And what the Holy Spirit does is, he impresses that on people's minds. They, they sense the power of that claim, that Jesus has a claim on their life. And that makes the issue, the main issue, the main issue. See, if we get sidetracked in a lot of sins, that's not the main issue. That's not the main issue. You know, it, you could say that sins won't keep you out of heaven. What keeps you out of heaven is the sin that does not bow the knee to Jesus Christ, who's the Savior of sinners. Now, somebody could take what I just said and use it wrongly, but I think everybody here, you knows what I'm talking about. Now, the folks who are watching online, I have no idea what they're going to do with what I just said. Just kidding. So it's not our job to nail people for their sins. It's our job to tell what we know of Jesus 
And as we do, the Holy Spirit will impress on people. He's the Lord and Savior. And the only sin that will keep you out of heaven is the sin of denying him. Then it talks about righteousness. And this is very interesting. About righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. I think what the Lord is trying to say here is this. The religious leaders at his time thought that Jesus was a blasphemer, an evil man, that he was doing his works by the power of the devil, not by the power of God. And so they wanted him crucified. Pilate thought Jesus was a fool and a nuisance and brushed his, his, his claims aside and sent him to the cross. So you have a lot of people that have judgments about Jesus and don't really think a whole lot of him. But God, God took this crucified man and raised him from the dead. And when he did it, he justified Jesus. The world condemned him as worthy of death and God said, not so. He raised him up and now, at the right hand of God. He is the Lord and Savior. The point being that the Holy Spirit takes our humble witness and enforces upon people the truth that Jesus is alive, that he's the Lord and the Savior, that he's in the right, and that he's the one with whom they need to deal. That's the point, I think, that's being made here. Once again, the focus isn't on individual sins, the focus is on what are you going to do with Jesus? That's the key. And then finally, it says about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Remember, Jesus came and he was opposed by all the powers of the darkness. And through the cross and resurrection, he triumphed over those powers. His triumph is also a judgment, as God declares that darkness has been defeated. Now, we still see, we still see the devil continue to battle and struggle. But it's like World War II. Once D-Day happened, the war was as good as over. It was won. There was still fighting to be done, but we all knew the outcome. Well, I didn't know the outcome. Some of you look old enough to have known the outcome. But you know what I'm saying, D-Day has happened. So, so what's taking place is D-Day. God has judged the sins of the world on the cross. God has judged the enemy by overcoming him. And what comes through to people by the Spirit is that God is the victor. And if you embrace the darkness, you make yourself impossible before God. You're standing behind the back of his grace. You're choosing the shadows instead of the light. See, this truth presses on people and on their conscience. You can't do it. If you try to talk people into seeing that, they're just, you know, you're going to come on too hard. But the Spirit can cause people to see, if I don't turn to Christ, I'm lost and lost forever. And so that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, here we are today, and I don't know everyone here, but it may very well be that there are some here who don't know Jesus Christ as 
Lord and Savior. And it may be that the Holy Spirit is at work in a powerful way in your heart right now. He's at work. He's at work. It just may be that you're becoming aware of it. Maybe something I've said has caused you to think, yeah, that's happened to me. I see that. I see that. You're becoming more aware of Jesus. You realize he really is alive. You're believing that. But you still haven't crossed that line from darkness into light. This morning, you can. This morning, you can. Now, it's the grace of God that allows us to turn, to turn to Jesus. It's only as God enables us that we can turn to Jesus. Don't resist the Holy Spirit. Now is your chance. Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you that you have sent the Lord Jesus Christ for each of us and all of us. We thank you. And we thank you that there is hope for all of us because of that. And we pray, Lord, for friends that are here who perhaps don't know you. May you, by the Holy Spirit, convict them, Lord, and convince them and save them this morning. And Lord, may you work in all of our lives, empowering us, Lord, empowering us to be witnesses for you. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.